Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and after several attempts at trying to get the proverbial gang back together, I am pleased to have my friends John and Neil back on the podcast to talk about the NBA. And given that we're just coming out of the All-Star break and festivities associated with that from this past weekend, I thought we'd look ahead to some of the prime storylines of the quote-unquote second half of the season, even though it doesn't mathematically work out to the first half and second half of the season. But that notwithstanding, um, before we even get started with any of that, Neil and John, great to have you back on the pod after quite some time. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been a long time I've been uh, meaning to talk about basketball. So many... So many things have happened since we last chatted, uh, uh, jubilating and also very, very sad. But that's the way it is. Yeah, we have our ongoing Slack conversations that are pretty much daily or semi-daily or whatever the best way to put it is going on from there. But um, it's it's good to kind of do it in this forum and kind of using that as a to build. John, we didn't lose you, right? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, cool. Making sure. All right, so we'll kind of just jump into two of the big storylines that, again, we've talked about in our ongoing Slack conversations, but I think it'll be good to kind of further flesh them out. And that's really the two uh, two contenders of in, within each respective conference are representing each conference, and really, can anyone challenge them? And I think it would be most appropriate to start with the Milwaukee Bucks because they're so incredibly dominant right now. And the question then becomes whether or not Toronto or Boston or maybe Miami or anyone else, Philadelphia, although that's probably less and less likely. Can any of them really stop Milwaukee from emerging as the team that wins the Eastern Conference? Will will Philadelphia even get out of the second round? Will they get out of the first round? Great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they could end up being the sixth seed and it would be what? They play Boston. It would either be Boston or Toronto. Dude, if they play Miami, that would be like one of the greatest series in the first. They don't want to. They're gonna. I think. I think Philadelphia is gonna try to avoid that uh, Miami matchup, which would be the four-five matchup, and I think they'd rather fall to six and get Toronto or or Boston. Well, I think they definitely would prefer Boston because I think they might have a better chance against them. I don't. There's no good. I mean, I guess Boston because Boston lacks the big guys, if that matters, because. Um, I love that. I was watching PTI the other day and, and a couple people have referenced that they're like, I think Tony Kornheiser made this comment and he was like, let me tell you about the list of Joel Embiid's postseason accomplishments. I've just told you the list. Right. And it's um, so it's like, okay, great. My, they might match up well against Boston because Boston lacks. But what, what is Boston's postseason accomplishments? I mean, they got to the ECF, right? Yeah, Jason Tatum has at least been the second best player on the court in the Eastern Conference Finals, and you know, dunked on LeBron James. I mean, it, it, that's got to be worth something. They took him to seven, uh, and then Kyrie came. You know, Kyrie just like ruined him. But uh, I mean, Boston has an interesting chance, but they have no bigs, and I think this is their. I don't see anybody beating Milwaukee. I mean, unless Giannis like. Like they just rely on Giannis so much. He's like their glue. Uh, I feel like any other team can sustain a hit and then they would still be like, okay, especially in the East, but Milwaukee pick one guy to go down. If Giannis goes down, like they're, they're, they're they're toast. Yeah. Like they're, they're an automatic, like six, seven seed at best. You know, it's funny. It's a very small sample size, obviously. So this, you know, take it with an enormous grain of salt, but the Giannis argument, of course, is there. I mean, he's just such an incredibly transcendent player. But, like, 
even to speak to Milwaukee's dominance, they're five and one and outscoring opponents by almost 13 points a game in the games when Giannis doesn't play. And I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I guess it speaks to a Bud system. I think Bud Nolzer doesn't get quite the accolades that he deserves, obviously, because he has Giannis and that kind of outshine. He gets outshined, outshined a little bit in that capacity, but like they just, they, they play that system so well. And they're just a really, really good team who has made that much better because of course Giannis is just fucking unstoppable. The thing is, he wasn't, he was stopped in the playoffs last year um, by Toronto. And, you know, cause when, when the paint got clogged up and he was, couldn't get, get to the basket as easily, his teammates couldn't make shots. Yep. And the same thing's going to happen in this postseason. So if he's not able to get to the basket as consistently as usual, and his teammates don't come through, they, there's, there's the chance that they fall through. But who's going to clog the paint in the East? If you're against Toronto or Boston, I mean, Toronto, you have Gasol and Ibaka, and uh, I mean, you got to hope Marc Gasol comes back healthy. Yeah, what's Siakam, Gasol? Siakam is like this guy that I never expected to actually step up the way he stepped up. Nobody and, expected that. There's no way you could have expected that. Like everybody, like was praising this guy last year. I'm like, ah, you know, I just don't see it. And I mean, the guys like. You know, he's an all-star, man. Like, he, he was, deserves what, he, what he's doing. He legitimately but. was an all-star. <laughs> he, was, he was so good in the finals last year. Like, obviously, Kawhi was Kawhi. And, and in Boston, it's, in Boston, Toronto as a team played so incredibly well. But, pos- but Siakam was really, really good last year. Like, I mean, he got better and better as the playoffs went on for sure. But, yeah, in the finals, he really was like, this guy can, this guy can play. And then, of course, you figure out, like, well, is it, is it just a byproduct of being Kawhi's sidekick? But, no. He was obviously. a good fill-in for Kawhi last yeah, year. That's exactly. where he also got his experience. When Kawhi missed games, he was the one that stepped up and got them victories and kept them rolling through the regular season. And then think- Lowry's their bulldog. I mean, I know that, that we don't have too many Lowry fans um, <laughs> on this podcast. He's, he's he good. Yes. He's, he's good. I mean, he's he's good, but I wouldn't like draft him or anything. You would not right. find. He, you won't find any kind words on Kyle Lowry in this direction. You're, you're, you're not. You're not building a franchise around him. No. You want a big butted point guard. Not even like building like him as a second player like on the team. Like seriously. But, and then Van Vliet, of course, like, you know, look at Fred Van Vliet. You know, he shoot, showed up in the finals last year and everybody was just like, all right, are they actually going to be able to do it? Because everybody was going to, you know, everybody blamed Kawhi for their win. And frankly, it was Kawhi who like took them past the Sixers with that shot. And then honestly, I think that's why Giannis had a hard time against the Raptors. So I think that's that that's a storyline that like we tend to forget because Toronto's playing so well and they're a great story and they're legitimately, you know, eight to ten players deep, however many you want to talk about it. But at the end of the day, when you don't have Kawhi Leonard, you don't have Kawhi Leonard. Like you're losing arguably the one of the three best players in the NBA. And like that that has to count for something. Like all of that is great, but again, Pascal Siakam is a very, 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 very good player. But like when shit hits the fan who's your guy on toronto like at least you had Kawhi there who would just make right. play after play like what do you what where are you who's giving you an Toronto? automatic bucket like i need one basket who's getting it for me right now it's gonna be a pascal to kyle to fred van Leet three uh three pointer and i mean <laughs> it's like think about this right like van vliet had that like he just he was out of his mind during the finals last year. And like obviously he's been playing really, really well this year too. But like he was just the entire team just 
I don't know, man. It's like they, they took a potion and they just, you know, they hulked out for like an entire series and, and yeah. It, they it, they it, also it, played a Warriors team that had a Durant that was hurt. And then Clay Thompson went down in the last game. So yeah. I mean, and, and a, and a T and a golden state team that had no depth. Yeah. The, the salary cap finally caught up with them and it's really punishing them this year. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. But Nick Nurse is also a, a prov- proven to be a very good coach. And, you know, because uh, why am I blanking on the guy who's the Pistons coach now who was – Oh, the, Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey. Yeah, Dwayne Casey wins coach of the year, and they fire him. Well, and then they magically ever. do better. Okay, Casey didn't have Kawhi Leonard. Exactly. It's true. I mean, but, I mean, yeah. like, think- like, look at Casey. Like, look at – I mean, the Detroit Pistons are not, like – super bad i mean they're actually overachieving in my opinion uh i mean they're terror they're they don't have a great record but they're actually like doing better who's even left on their team yeah that's i I don't know give me some give me some Derek rose baby (laughs) reggie reggie jackson is now on uh the clippers yep they've got tony smells and thon mcher in their in their starting line they got Derek rose baby Derek rose is second uh Look, he's like their best player on that team, and they got rid of they got rid of Drummond, right? He's he's gone. Yeah, yep, he's in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, and and Blake's it Blake's hurt, right? Yeah, he's always been a little injured. B, but yeah, I don't know, man. I I just love the way Derrick Rose's career is resurrected. Sorry, this is the Bulls fan coming out in me. Uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll go back to uh, Raptors in Milwaukee. Can we uh, please stop talking about <laughs> Derek Rose? This is the segment of part of the podcast. I'm just Brooke gonna... Lopez. Brooke Lopez has had an actual decent uh, defense defensive uh, year. Eric Bledsoe is doing his thing. Eric Bledsoe has been excellent. Yeah, but he's always does been playoff. Good. Eric Bledsoe come back. Yeah. Oh yes. I mean, evidence has to show you that yes, that's the case. You and I talk about supporting cast. Like, okay, there's there's Giannis obviously there. Is Chris Middleton good enough to be a second banana on a team that's going to win their conference? Because past that, you got He's going to be. He has to be. He has to be, right? Because he doesn't have any other choice because who else is there? It's not Wesley Matthews. It's sure as shit not Eric Bledsoe. I mean, Brooke Lopez is fine. He does Brooke Lopez things. But then past that, you have Ursan Ilyasova, the cyborg, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, and um, and fucking Robin Lopez. And the other guy. Sideshow Bob. Sideshow Bob is there. Don't forget the sneaky is, is... Pretty, pretty good. Sneaky Marvin Williams pickup too. I mean, you yes. just need like the random, the, the random guy to show up, and they have enough random guys where one of them will just show up and put in points. Will do their job. The other thing, I mean, people talk about it enough, but it's it's what I I find very intriguing about um about Milwaukee this year is that Giannis is only averaging I think it's thirty one minutes a game right now. And yeah. think, think about the workload that has been reduced over the course of the season, meaning he's going to have some semblance. I don't want to say he's going to be fresh at that time, but like how much less wear and tear he's had over the course of the season also juxtaposed with the dominance that he's had this year. I mean, he's almost averaging a point a minute in terms of his stats. Like that's staggering. Yeah. Right. That's, that's why he's a lock to win the MVP again. I agree. I have no, I don't know anybody. I, you can't argue against Giannis for MVP. You can't. I mean, LeBron, as well as he's playing, and we'll cover him in a moment. Um, yeah, I just I, I can't think of anybody else who would legitimately be a, uh, take the, the title away from him. I mean, they're the only team with less than 10 losses in, in the league, like this, this far. In. I mean, that's, they have eight losses. That's, that's incredible, right? For the, his, 85% win percentage. 
right? They could get to 70 <laughs> wins. Yeah. Number one in defense, number one in uh, opposing effective field goal percentage, number one in defensive rebound percentage, number and number one in uh, second point chance allowed. So second point, second chance points allowed. So you're telling me they're good at defense. But, but the argument there, the argument anybody can pose there is the seventh seed in the East has a 47% win percentage, whereas the eighth seed in the, in the West is a 52%, basically. Like the eighth seed is Orlando at 24 and 31. When has there ever been such a bad conference? I am an Orlando Magic stan. I know they score only 104 points a game, but they only <laughs> allow 105 points a game. I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, Orlando is the team, the, the kid that gets picked on all the time, and I just really enjoy rooting for them. They're 24 I, and 31, though. Like, all I'm talking about is, like, that's their place in the East. They're in the playoffs. They're the eighth seed at 24 and 31, where in the West you have – Memphis clinging on for dear life at 28 and 26. I want to see Brooklyn finish with the eighth seed and get absolutely curb stomped by Milwaukee. I want Kyrie Irving to be humiliated again on national television. You don't want to see Brooklyn Celtics? No. Oh, no, I want to see Brooklyn Celtics no, so bad. God, the storylines would be insufferable. I want oh, yeah, to. That, <laughs> that would be really annoying. <laughs> That's the only want to hear. I just want to see it. I, I just want to see the disappointment on Kyrie's face when he just like loses. I don't think Kyrie I don't think he cares him. about losing. Or I don't think he understands that he lost. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that he's he was voted what uh, the yeah, vice president the, of the players association? Players, like, I went, are you kidding me? The guy you know, who's the most out of touch. You know, he's out indefinitely again because of his shoulder injury. He might not even play in the playoffs, dude. That's well, better for them. They they Possibly, do actually yeah. do they do better without him. It's I, I, we said this from last spring that Brooklyn signing Kyrie Irving would be one of the worst stories to happen to the Brooklyn Nets after everything they got out of in the the Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade, right? Like you finally dug yourself out of there. You finally had a fun team. You made it back to the playoffs last year. You were kind of this, you know, the darling of the NBA and you went and signed fucking Kyrie Irving. I mean, we got to blame Kevin Durant for that. Right. I mean, it must have been the reason was because Kevin Durant was like, I'll join you if you sign my buddy Kyrie. Why on earth would anybody sign Kyrie when you have D'Lo? And on top of that, Kevin Durant's turning into persona non grata as well. Because it's yeah. like, can you think of anyone who's like literally turned heel this much outside of like LeBron or like who's someone who's so universally beloved? And like, like now saying you like Kevin Durant publicly, everyone's like, really? You're going to admit that publicly? And you're talking, and we're talking about a guy who's from the DC area and is a Redskins fan. And like, even now, we don't want to say very loudly, like, hey, you know, we really like Kevin Durant. He has no, nobody has any sympathy for him coming off of his, his Achilles injury, right? Like, when you see like videos of Durant working out, you're not like, oh man, you know, good for him coming off this, all this stuff. You're like, eh, go fuck himself, really. I don't know. I'm actually looking forward. Yeah, to I'm not. I'm not like year. I'm not that against think, the guy. I think like the league misses him. <laughs> The league might miss him, but like, I don't know, just, I've never seen anyone sully his brand so blatantly in the way like that Durant did outside of like, you know, Kyrie Irving, but like Kyrie Irving is just one of those clueless douchebags. Yeah. I, I think Durant's like the, the reason Durant has grown on me recently is only because he's finally admitted that like all the smack talk with like Draymond during that thing actually like did get to him. And like, at least like, you know, now, like he just left because like, you know what, F those guys, like I'm done. Um, I mean, he was the MVP for those, those teams 
like when they won, like the finals MVP and stuff. Like, how can you, the guy did his, the guy did his work. I have no, nothing against the guy. I mean, he might be a little bitch off the court, but on the court, man, he's like top player. The way you handle that, that process about knowing what the storylines would be against you, knowing that you're going to a team where this is not your team. It's always going to be Steph Curry's team. You went there, you were to your point, Neil, you were arguably the best player on that team for those two seasons that you were there, however many seasons that you were there. And you still had, and then even through that, you still had that sense of resentment, like, oh, this is not my team. I'm not universally beloved here. And people are, you know, I don't know. I got to find my own next chapter, or like my own foundation to build or my own home to build or whatever. And it's like, but you knew this going in. And I know you went to go chase a ring and all the respect in the world for you to go do that. And you joined a historic squad. Can't take that away. But like, I don't know. It just felt like everyone told you, it's like, yeah, don't drink that glass of bleach. Don't drink that glass of bleach. Oh, you drank that glass of bleach, and now you're upset about it. <sighs> I I guess, but I mean, the guy has two rings and two Finals MVPs, right. and he and he got to play with one of the best teams ever, <laughs> and he got to have he got to play perfect basketball and with the perfect teammates and excellent coaches in a in an area with a thriving investment opportunities that he cashed in on. So, I mean, I really don't blame him yeah. for golden to golden. And, State. and like, did he, is he able to say he's, he like beat LeBron twice? Like he beat them four to one in one of the rounds. Did he, did they sweep them? I don't even remember. Face if, to face. Yes. I think. Yeah. They swept them right in one of the round and in, in one of the finals, they swept them. The second one. The second one. Yeah. The and the other one, one was started, started with J.R. Smith's brain, brain, uh, brain fart. Other one was four to one or four to two. I think it was four to two, but let's go look that up. Yeah, I mean, like, and and the dagger in the face of LeBron, and then followed it up in the next finals. Like, that's the. I mean, the guy had his chance. He put his mark. He had the opportunity. He did it. I have nothing against the guy. I feel bad that he popped his Achilles. He would have been three-time champion. Um, it would have been a really good series though to see Kawhi and KD go at it. That's the thing that I think we missed the most. And we saw right. with all the injuries and the breakdown, like you know, obviously. Uh, Durant's Achilles, like Kai, um, Clay Thompson throwing out his ACL and stuff like that. I think more than anything else, I think John alluded to earlier, that's just wear and tear. Like that, they just, how many games have they played in, in all that amount of time that like eventually that just caught up to them. That finals was four to one. Um, yeah. Yeah. But they, how hard did the training, I mean, how hard was that team push? Because I, I think you have multiple, I mean, Iguodala definitely had his gripes with the team with the way that they handled his medical. You can see that Kevin Durant did. Um, Clay wasn't related, but I mean, those guys Kevin, definitely were getting pushed. The Durant situation was the worst catch 22 to be in because if he played, he risked long-term injury. And if he didn't play, there's always that stupid media created storyline where like you didn't give everything you had. To yeah. People would have called him a big pussy for the whole time. It's it's he the was worst situation in that game too. That was the worst part. He was knocking down shots. Yeah, and then was, the next thing you know, boing. Pop, he was starting yeah. to run out of gas. You could see it. Like that's like the adrenaline you get when you first jump back in. But he was starting to run out of gas, and then obviously you know that fall, the way he fell, and as soon as you as soon as he happened, like you were hoping it wouldn't, but the way he grabbed is like you're like that's an Achilles. Achilles in having watching in a ridiculous amount of sports, you just know that's yeah. The, you know, 
I mean, that replay, they showed it rupture. I mean, they just showed yeah, the pop. Hey, you watch that pop. I can still see it. I can still see it. Same, same. And they were like, initially, they were like, oh, no, it doesn't look that bad. And the, the prognosis isn't too bad. And I'm like, bro, that's an, that's an Achilles. You can't tell me otherwise. Yeah, you're done. The back of your leg doesn't, you know, vibrate like that. So going back to Milwaukee, after all the, the our, uh, irrelevant tangent because of stupid Kyrie Irving, um, the one thing I, I listen to the Hoops Collective podcast a lot, the one hosted by Brian Windhorst on ESPN, and he's mentioned this in multiple venues on his pod as well as on other recordings that I've listened to. He kept saying one thing that's interesting, that even as good as Milwaukee is, and we've talked about their dominance, the rest of the teams in the East don't fear Milwaukee. Milwaukee they like he used to talk about that like when when LeBron was on was in Miami all the other teams were like shit like you know you got to get through Miami they're like fuck like it's at the end of the day you know there's this like gigantic dragon that you have to slay in order to get there they don't feel the same way about Miami like the I think he was talking about uh, the Miami Heat the current Miami Heat and like he was talking to Jimmy Butler or something like that and there was the, there was the almost deal for Danilo Gallinari in addition to obviously acquiring Andre Iguodala and like just the sense he gets from talking to other he got from talking from other teams is like they see Milwaukee somehow as being vulnerable or they don't see them as this giant obstacle to get through like a LeBron Miami team or a I hate to, you know, bring up this incarnation, but like, you know, a Jordan Bulls team, right? Like they don't see them as this gi- this gigantic obstacle or how the Western Conference teams must have felt about Golden State. And I just thought that's an interesting concept because while there's no real, you know, um, Joe Frazier to the Muhammad Ali of Milwaukee, like it's still interesting to see the teams in the East and see themselves in that manner. And of course they're not going to be like, Oh my God, I'm afraid of Milwaukee. But but they all should because they're one player away. Yeah. As we said earlier, like if Giannis goes down, it's anybody's ball game. Yeah. It's wide open after that. Giannis or somehow you're able to contain him and the rest of his teammates, there's a chance. Whereas at least with the heat, uh, you, you had Wade or you had Bosch to pick up the slack if LeBron wasn't there. Golden State, if Steph's off or when Steph was hurt, which he was in the playoffs numerous times, you had Clay picking up the slack or Draymond or uh, in the later years Durant, whereas in Milwaukee there just isn't. So if you're going to go – and then there's no juggernaut in the West because the Clippers and the Lakers are not um, – they're both imperfect teams. And so – you might as well try to make a run at it this year if you, because it's just going to get worse. You know, I mean, as you said, I mean, Durant's going to be back in the league next year. That brings up another contender. The Pelicans might be on the rise. There's another contender. I mean, there's just, there's, you got to take your shots when you have one. And so I don't blame Miami for thinking they had a shot this year. It's not just Miami, obviously. Like Miami is definitely one of them, but like Boston, because between Kemba and their well, three, Miami move, made the moves. Yeah, they made the yeah. moves. But then Boston with their three wing rotation, Toronto for you know for for the stars they have or the stars that they don't have, they feel like they're still in prime position um, to kind of to maybe go toe to toe with um, to go toe to toe with Milwaukee. And I think it's just interesting. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it just kind of intrigues me that like nobody as good as Giannis is. And I think most of his peers will accept he is that damn good that they just don't, they see the team as fallible and rightfully so in many cases, because one, you know, if Giannis is gone, the entire team is very different. Well, too. I mean, they, they're just going to focus on, you stop Giannis and then you stop the bugs. And that's exactly. exactly what everybody did. But I mean, Giannis is big, you know, problem like in the previous years was he couldn't shoot 
And, and he's still not a perfect shooter. I mean, he's a much, much better shooter. It's improved, though, and that's what's scary. That's that's what I think folks don't really appreciate. Like, they're going to see him over seven games even if they get to seven. And, I mean, the guy is, like, shooting now. Like, last season he was taking three, three – less than three three-pointers a game and making, like, 25%. And now he's like hitting over thirty percent and making and taking about five, right. so he's he's gotten confidence in that shot. And if if those go down, I mean, if his shot's going down, I don't know what anybody's going to do short of like sticking their foot under his under his jumper. I mean, that is the caveat, though. I mean, because he's still not the most reliable three point shooter. Like he doesn't step up every time, like you know, a, a James Harden or Steph Curry, and just. I'm making the shot. He's still a little shaky. And the, that's where the question is. If, he when sh- the playoffs he, go, can, does he, does he maintain that? But can he, he pick it he's up? He's shaky enough where like, he's at that weird line still where you to take it. Exactly. So you have to kind of D up on him and then he's just going to go bl- blow by you. Shooting, so, no, you don't D up on him. You let him t- shoot threes all day long and don't start, let him run by. If you, you do that, then he's going to hit like, some of them, right? And so I, then in the playoffs, I'm going to dare him to do that. Yeah, because I'd rather he do it makes attempts those shots than takes it to the to the rack on me. It goes back to what we were saying earlier that like they can try to pack the paint. Then again, it, then it gets the question: Who's going to pack the paint? But yeah. if they try to pack the paint against him, you know, he's shooting a the second best percentage of his career in terms of three point percentage at 31%, 31.3 if we're being exactly honest. And and that's only on, you know, less than five three point attempts per game. So he's basically, you know, he's making one and a half of his five three pointers a game. I so you, you we touched we somebody alluded to it, and I think going to the going to the West kind of there's similar questions in the West, right? Although I guess there is a little bit of an Ollie Frazier set up in the West because it's really just the two L, the LA teams. I, I genuinely – I don't buy Utah or the Denver. There's nobody else. I, I yeah. don't see it. Denver's fun. They're that classic, like they're going to win 50-some games and they could probably exit in the second round. And if they got upset in the first round, nobody would – Nobody would be yeah. surprised. Nope. Right? Agreed. And I, I think it comes down to the two LA teams. I think the storyline that I was kind of reading about most that intrigues me most about the two LA teams is I don't think it's going to happen, but what if the Clippers somehow finish with the fourth seed and LA wins the, t- gets the top seed. That means this matchup takes place in round two instead of the oh my. finals. I think well, that- I mean, that's, that's great for both teams because they're both more rested than they would be in the, uh, Western Conference Finals. finals. Yeah, right. Imagine what a bloodbath that's going to be. Like, then you have to still get through the Western Conference Finals, which would be admittedly, you know, light years easier. And then you still have to get to the finals. But like, I don't know. In the second round of the NBA playoffs, you're going to have the, the Lakers Clippers. Like, that's that's the fucking finals. And That'd be great. If we're just honest. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I would love to see a second round like that. Everybody would tune in for that. And then there well, would be more basketball. But drop the drop off after that, like unless it's Lakers Bucks in the final, or let's say Clippers Bucks or Lakers Bucks in the finals. Like I think there'll be a big bump back up just because of Giannis and playing whichever LA team makes it. But like, I mean, I think the conference finals would like would plummet the ratings would because if the, you know the headliner would be gone by then, or like the real marquee matchup. Kind of like last year when yeah. it was uh, Portland Golden State, and you knew that they didn't have a chance. Yeah, and Dame was gone. Oh, he was so I mean, Dame had already hit his shot against OKC, so he didn't. He he was done after that. I was going back and what, looking through old t- Twitter highlights and stuff like that, and some of the things that I liked, and like going through my history, and like I had done that for a bunch of Dame shots in last year's playoffs, and I'm like, God, that was so much fun to watch. <laughs>
especially the one in Paul George's face. Paul George yeah, or Russell was, Westbrook's face? I can't remember, but one of those. That two. was, I mean, was like Paul in, George. Yeah, Paul George's defense though, that was a bad shot. Oh, it was that a terrible. Was, shot. It was a just, terrible shot to take. I mean, he just took it because you don't take that shot if the game's not tied. You take that if it's tied and you have nothing to lose. Um, what do you? What are your? So I have a lot of thoughts about the Clippers. Um, do you guys have any thoughts about either the Clippers or the Lakers? I think the Lakers win it. Win the West or win the whole thing? Win the whole, well, I mean, they win the West. They win the whole thing, in my opinion. Um, the, well, I'm, the, I'm uh, still hopeful Milwaukee wins it all. but I, I just don't see if LeBron gets to the finals and LeBron and AD get to the finals, I don't see it like happening. The, the thing is, like, LeBron's on another level right now. He's, he's playing like, incredibly well. I don't know if DeMarcus Cousins is going to come back. He's not going to be like that big of a deal break or whatever. They don't have a secondary playmaker. I get it. I mean, every, there's so many things you can say against this team, but given how good they're playing right now and given what just happened in February and the narrative around like, oh, the Lakers are going to win the, like the Lakers as champions, it's Kobe's years, all that stuff. Like it's just a perfect storybook ending for the season for the NBA. I didn't even think about the Kobe angle for this. Yeah, I've, I've thought about that. I figured that the Lakers win it this year for, for in Kobe's uh, memory. Yeah, yeah, and I think the NBA tries to make it happen like that too. Uh, I really hope that's not true, but... I know he's not the commissioner, but David Stern's going to be making some phone calls in the background. Dude, he, yeah, I mean, like, there's some... Like, you got to just think that, like, it's all going to be for... Imagine, like, how much money they can make. See, that's the thing. If the Lakers get past the Clippers in the second round... That whole Western Conference Finals is going to be all Kobe, all Kobe stuff. All like, look at like them like carrying it on. Like, look at how how it's going on. Like, all they want to do is is keep doing that shit. And I, you know, and like they're doing really well, man. Like, LeBron is playing out of his mind. I, yeah, he's another one of those like he goes down like the Lakers are done. You know, I do right, you think, because do you they're think just too weird valuable? a lineup. You think he's more valuable than AD to that team? Is LeBron more Absolutely. valuable? Oh, it's, I don't think there's a, you can even ask that question. Like yeah. That, that's a no brainer. So I think the interesting dichotomy between the two teams, or it's not even a dichotomy because of the similarity, like you still have two second bananas who are extremely unproven in the playoffs. Like we know Paul George's flaws when it's postseason time. And like, what has Anthony Davis done? Right. Like you're still talking about at the end of the day, this is how far can Kawhi Leonard take one team versus how far can LeBron take the other team, or it's still the matchup between the two of them. And they both have proven they can take both both oh, yeah, teams the, all the way. That they can put their teams on their back for sure. Yeah, but LeBron has like nobody after AD goes down. Like AD is actually Avery Bradley's playing extraordinarily well right oh now. Oh my god, dude! Really, you're bringing up Avery Bradley? Like, come on. I He's mean, like, playing well, but yeah. And, and Kyle <laughs> like, Kuzma's a bomb. I don't know why anybody would think that he would have any value and he does not fit in their lineup no. whatsoever at any point in time. He's their X factor. He's the one who has to actually like show up somehow in the playoffs for them. To Uzma. Win. Yeah, absolutely. Happening. Absolutely. I don't see that. He happening. has to, they're going to get more out of Danny green in the playoffs than they will out of Kyle Kuzma. I will agree with that. I think everybody will step up in that regard, but I think Kuzma has to be that X factor because Danny green, isn't going to make his own, plays like Kyle Kuzma at least has the athletic ability to like kind of try to cut to the basket. So, so if you go to the, the, the classic who's games on the line, who are your five guys? It's Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Danny green, 
Avery Bradley, and somebody else. So neither of you guys have a Rondo in that, in that situation, recognizing Rondo can't shoot? I thought he's been terrible this year. Rondo I'll have Rondo as my point guard. I'll yeah, especially as a- in the postseason where you got to find who's your last, your last lineup. Like, I get it. Like, Rondo hasn't been, you know, he's just a shell of himself, shell of himself at this point. But, um, yeah, I still think he, he'll probably have a little bit left in the tank for um, the playoffs. Playoff Rondo is no joke. He exactly. always shows up. You still forget about Jared Dudley. See, I mean, what a piece when, of when you need a bucket, he's basically a guy you don't have to guard. Can you really True. have that? But he's just so good. And, and even today, it's setting up an offense or kind of just breaking down a defense, re- recognizing that he can't shoot. I still, you know, I still have an immense amount of respect for him. He's the game. second leading assister on the team. I still think. So here's the thing about the Clippers, right? Where I was going with this. We've been making, everyone's been making this big deal about, oh, the Clippers chemistry and, you know, the chemistry is off and stuff like that. And I honestly think this is just January and February talk show headlines. Like, they're going to be fine. They're going to get it all together. Um, they suddenly realize that, like, Kawhi Leonard doesn't have this big personality and everything's going to be kumbaya, like, as if this is some big secret. Like, when it comes playoff time, they have a team that's very well built for this. And I, I honestly think, like, they're just, they're built for this and they're going to steamroll teams when, you know, when, when it's, it's really time to do so. And I love the makeup of the team between, I mean, shit, if just nothing else between Kawhi, Paul George, whatever you get out of him, crazy ass Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams. And then, you know, you've got guys like Landry Shamit and um, I forgot Reggie Jackson signed there or Reggie Jackson just signed there. He a, just signed. They, they traded for Marcus Morris, which I don't see how he really fits in. But he still Montrez Harrell. He's just a thug, right? Like, he's, Mon- yeah, he's a defender. I mean, like he can he can do whatever. But he they also want. can hit. He can he can spot up and shoot. The- yeah, the three and D classic. If that's what they want him to be, he can do that. If he'll listen and doesn't just dribble out the uh, shot clock. <laughs> I mean, the biggest concern for the Clippers should be Paul George's hamstring. Yeah, I mean, again, I think at the towards the end of the year they're going to start doing a lot more load management. And I don't think for them, like securing a particular seed is really going to be of that much importance. Yeah, I don't think seeding mat- matters at all to them. Like they're just going to try to stay healthy. They'll load manage the shit out of it. I mean, there's so many stories of like Doc Rivers is like, oh, you don't want to practice today? Don't practice today. Don't worry about it. You're good, right? Like I think they're they'll just kind of coast the second half of the season within reason. Obviously, trying to you know make sure that not at the expense of chemistry, but other than that, the, when the, the switch is flipped, they're going to be hell on wheels to deal with. And I, I personally, for as transcendent as LeBron James has played this year, for as good as Anthony Davis has been this, this year, like I just don't see their five versus the Clippers five beating their five beating the Clippers five. Like I don't, I, I still, if you put the gun to my head, proverbially speaking, it's still the Clippers for me. Kawhi Leonard is still as of today, mm-hmm. By the by default, you have to consider him the better player right now, just because LeBron James is what thirty five years old or whatever, right? I agree and, with that. I agree. I just don't. I don't know. I just always feel like LeBron will just somehow surprise I, us. Yeah, I just feel he's somehow going to pull it off. You're the stupidest person in the world for betting against LeBron. I mean, I think anyone sh- sh- that would disagree. I think anybody that bets this year, period, on <laughs> basketballs <laughs> is kind of stupid because it's been. Rather unpredictable. I mean, minus everybody knew the Bucks were going to be good, but there were plenty of people that weren't picking them to even win the East. 
I think what's extremely commendable is the fact that LeBron's averaging basically 11 assists per game, which is a number one in the NBA and B number one, in the NBA by almost more than a full assist per game. Like, like that's impressive. And the fact that the Lakers are number one in defensive rating among the Western conference teams, like that's impressive stuff. Um, I don't know. We'll see like, you know, can they sustain this? And there's been no Jason Kidd drama. May and June. Yes. That's probably more than anything else. It's gotta be the most surprising thing, right? I've no, been shocked. You I, I, until John mentions his, his name, I don't think I've heard the name Jason Kidd in the context of the Lakers' job probably since October. That's a really good point. He's probably working things behind the scenes with Frank Vogel. He's just playing. He's biding this time. I was going to say the minute they go on some random three-game losing streak, all of a sudden he's going to start, you know, put throwing things out there. I mean, they lose if they lose this year, then he's done. I mean, then they'll they'll just go to Kidd after that. Yeah, he's. I mean, Bronco. Vogel has done a, a very good job so far. Yeah, surprisingly, I thought he was gonna. Ha- I thought he was gonna struggle with the personalities, with the odd uh, team construction, and with having a coach up his ass. <laughs> and he has done a <clears throat> incredible job. It's also no, it's also pretty relevant that LeBron has one more had one more fu season left in him, combined with you know missing the playoffs last year and being, right. He got some rest so that he was ready for being, this. Rested. Last solid run. Like he, you know, as the saying goes, he heard all the whispers about whether he's done or not. He had one more like a redemption tour left in him, which is why that would give credence to the idea that he's going to try to take the team. All, you know, he has the uh, as good a chance as anyone to take the team all the way. But I don't know. Like that's just a different animal out there. You're dealing with. I have I have very little respect for Paul George in terms of the playoff realm. Like I think, you know, when he called himself playoff P two years ago and then folded like a cheap lawn chair, I mean, that just tells you everything you need to know about Paul George in the playoffs as of recent, but like, you know, Kawhi Leonard's just a different animal, man. And he just proved it. And you have to give him all the respect in the world for after what he did last year, recognizing it was against a slightly flawed Golden State team. Yeah. I okay. Agree. So one of the other things, jumping, switching gears here, actually, let's talk about the playoffs and we can talk about two of the most underrated teams, in the NBA, who are the secret powerhouses that no one should get their full, <laughs> their full due to. Let's talk about the Washington Wizards and Chicago Bulls in terms of the playoffs. Well, Davis Bertans actually had a very good showing in the three-point competition. You know, I missed the entire three-point competition. I'm really, really angry. Hey, so did Zach Levine. Yeah. Zach, that guy just showed up. That was a shocker. Yeah. But Zach would be was, shooting. Zach's never had a shot that he didn't like to take, man. I right. Mean. Yeah, he's never <laughs> afraid to shoot. It's just whether he should shoot. Yeah. So catching whatever Wizards games have been able to this year, John and I obviously went to the Wizards game a couple of weeks ago. Um, there are defenses just god-awful. They don't, they don't have a defense. There, like, it's literally non-existent. It is the shining definition of non-existent. Well, I mean, what, what's funny is like you watch them and you're like, well, the guys are moving around and they're trying to stay in front, but they have no concept of switching, no concept of anticipation. They bite on every fake known possible and they just let guys slip through the cracks consistently. So, it's, I mean, they're out there moving around trying, but not, not in a cons- cohesive effort. Yeah, the effort might be a C, but the outcome is a big old F. Like, yeah. It's just awful. Like it's horrifically yeah. bad. I mean, you're like, it's exactly what John said. Like they're doing things, and you have athletic guys, and none of it seems to matter. I mean, you guys are like third in points scored, right? Yeah, well, that's, we- right. 
because they realize that the only way they can win is to just score a crap ton okay. of points. Okay, so look, I'm just looking at some random stats. So you're 11th in field goal percentage, you're 10th in three-point percentage, third in points scored, and okay, you're 27th in total rebound. So obviously your defensive rebounding sucks. Let's compare that to the Bulls. 25th in field goal percentage, 24th in three-point percentage, 25th in points scored, and 27th in rebounds. Oh, my so we're, God. We're tied on rebounds, but, man, are we trash. You're, I mean, <laughs> you're very difficult to watch. Like, no one is going to take that title away from you, right? Like, so he, he should have been one of the most fun teams to watch this year. That's what kills me. It's like Laurie and Zach, and actually, I really love Kobe White. Uh, Kobe White's a dope. He's he's pretty good. And then uh, Otto, I wish and like Otto actually showed signs last year when he wasn't hurt, and then he gets hurt again. And then but Wendell, and then Wendell Carter, yeah, and then Wendell Carter uh, also hurt, but like he had he had shown some flashes. So we, you know, I, maybe this is just a fanboy in me, but like we have like talent, it's just not like there. It's not healthy. Do you know Wendell Carter averages more fouls than offensive rebounds per game? That's not surprising. I mean, that just is, you know, that's just the way it is. But that's offensive rebound, whatever. His total rebounds are 10, all right? So whatever, man. <laughs> that's the thing about the Bulls, right? So you touched on a lot of a lot of things there. But, like, there's pieces, but, like, it's another one of those things where they just don't fit quite properly in a puzzle or a pyramid. Like, they don't know who they are yet, right? Like, you, you have – Zach Levine is your default alpha guy, but like, is he really, and like, they really want it to be Laurie Markkinen and they're still figuring out, you know, where does Kobe White fit in that? And then there's old man Thad Young and, you know, and all of these things, like they just, they don't really know. Well, their problem is they needed to make Kobe White a starter much sooner. Um, Like, I don't know why they had, I mean, Sadoransky is the vet. He should be, I guess he should have been, he should be the starter, but like Kobe White, I mean, it's a building team. Like you, you put Kobe White as a starter and you build him. Um, I, th- I don't know what they were doing with that Sato trade. Chris Dunn just needs to go. I don't know what he's still doing on the team. Um, and then you just like Laurie just regressed. I mean, he was he was supposed to take the next step this yeah, year. That's the big thing for him. Like he, everyone's saying like because he was so promising as a rookie and he just hasn't progressed since then. Yeah, I mean, he can't even stay on the court. He's just been hurt. Seems like a common theme there. I kind of want the Bulls to make the playoffs for only one real reason. Oh, God. <laughs> for angry so, meal rants? <laughs> no. So they decide to keep Gar Packs together. Oh, oh yeah. my God. No, I'm so afraid of that, dude. I'm No, dude. Like, they're looking for they're a They're so GM. done. Yo, yeah. I'm... I'm more afraid of them like going for Grunfeld, man. <laughs> oh, that, oh my God! If they got Ernie, honest to God, I don't. As much beautiful. as I would love to make fun of it, I don't want to wish that ill on anyone. I don't want to wish that evil on anyone. Don't you? You should just be shouting us that don't you put this evil on me, Bobby? Oh my God! I just it just part of me just feels like that's what's going to happen. That would be like, the worst. Welcome, possible. Ernie Grunfeld. And apparently, apparently, they still want to keep like. Um, you know, Gar Foreman around as like a scout. They're going to have John Paxson still do something in the office. So like, it's really like that. Those guys are not going to go away. So like, is what, it like the Knicks uh, GM that, that didn't get fired? He got put on the board instead. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what, what, what kind of like ability, what, what is this, you know, what kind of freedom is this guy going to have to do his job? It's not going to be like a good situation at all to come into. 
Um, going back to the Wizards, uh, John and I have decided that why the fuck is Isak Bonga still playing? Ever? <laughs> oh, I don't. Yes. He is just terrible. Like he, it's it's one of those things where you just watch him on the court and you're just like, why is he here? And then five minutes later, he's still there, and you're just you're just asking yourself that question at a more and more angry. I mean, he can, tone. he he's he's athletic, but he doesn't know what he's doing. Like you know, he can get around the court and jump around, and and occasionally he'll like get a steal or her, he'll he'll make like an energy play, but. The, the downside to him being out there is just way exceeds any little flashes he might have. I, I will die on the hill with John and I were talking about this when we went to the game the other day. Like, whatever minutes Bonga's getting, they should give it all to Troy Brown Jr. Exactly. I just, I mean, I, why did you draft Troy Brown in the first place? It kills I mean, me. And I mean, and that's one Scott Brooks is suffering from Randy Whitman syndrome in the sense that like, he just refuses to give more playing time to the younger Scott guys. It was supposed to be about player development. Right. And it's literally been the opposite. He's just about job salvation, which I get at the end of the day, we're all trying to make sure we keep our paycheck coming, but it, like, you're not making this team better by fucking playing Isak Bonga. Like you're not. And they also have like guaranteed contracts. So at this point, like do your job and make the team win. Like, or develop the team, whatever. Like, Scotty Brooks is going to get paid even if he gets fired. Right. The Wizards are kind of like the Bulls in the sense, although we don't have the marquee talent like Levine and Laurie, Car- um, Laurie Mark and Wendell Carter. But, like, there's just a bunch of de- – <laughs> just- I mean, like, you know, at once upon a time considered blue chip talent. I was going right? to say like- we have Bradley Beal. <laughs> yeah. Like, outside Bradley of Beal. Beal okay, awesome. so you got Beal. Then you have, like, what's there after that? You have, like – John Wall. Right. I'm talking about on the court right now, right? Oh, like, you've, you've got like a bunch of just dudes. Like, okay, Rui's Rui. Like, Rui Hachimura's there. But like, Thomas Bryant's fine. He's injured, but though, at the moment, right? McCray showed up a couple games. Yeah, he, yeah they, they traded him. They, they traded him. I, I did like the Jerome Robinson acquisition. That's a nice, like, dumpster. And duck. they're actually playing him. Yes, even more so. Where he was getting zero playing time for the Clippers. So they're playing him. He's doing well. <laughs> Although Spaz I think Napier, who they traded McCray for, actually has been uh, playing fairly well, which I didn't like the trade because I thought McCray, I thought I was like, oh my God, this is a guy that you actually found, developed through your G League team. And then now you're going to trade him away for kind of a never was. And I get why they did it. They wanted some point guard depth, but. My question is what happens. I mean, I know this is, shouldn't be something that keeps any of us up at night, but like, what do they do with um, Ish Smith next year? Once John Wall comes back, like do you kind of have a little bit of a glut at point guard to your point? Well, Ish Smith, of course, becomes your backup. I mean, right, you're but paying him anyway. And he's not getting paid too expensive. Yeah. He's only 6 mil on the cap next year. It's just a really, really reasonable number. Right. Whereas it, well, Napier, I, then what was your grand plan all along by having, acquiring Napier for you know a cup of well, coffee I think Napier's on the last yeah that's what I'm saying so like he's, on the if team he walks, next year if he walks unless they right. imagine they'll re- just resign him to another two million dollar deal or some right so why'd you do it yeah exactly I think it'll be interesting because Ish will probably be the best backup point guard they've had because they've consistently been looking for somebody to take over when um, John Wall rests and so they've gone through who was the who was the old uh, the old guy, the professor. Oh, Andre Miller. Andre Miller. So they, they, they tried that. Um, they, for a brief second, had um, Sean Livingston and let him go before he rejuvenated his career. Uh, they had Sato. And then there's just been a bunch of other random dudes. 
um, Shane Mack. Somebody else I'm trying to think of, and that's escaping me, but yes. Right, um, and now they actually have a backup point guard that I think once Wall comes back, he's not going to be that much worse than Wall, which is not really a glowing endorsement. I was going to say, I mean, that's not how, that, I mean, like, how much are you going to pay Wall versus Schmidt next year? Oh, my God, that's the problem. <laughs> uh, I mean, John Wall is, is on the hook for $41.254 million next year. Jesus, and how much is Schmidt? is so quick. <laughs> Six. Six million. <laughs> he's so quick around the court still hasn't it hasn't done as a shooter though but uh the only saving graces i will be if all this practice time that wall has had shooting actually translates into a better field goal percentage oh he's been eating fried chicken from his cabinets man no he hasn't that's kwame brown (laughs) (laughs) i don't know man i don't know the one thing that you have to say about john wall though is he's always had that like that little ledger where he where he writes down everybody that's doubted him and so everything he just uses like you know is that that fuel um because what 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 was that in in the kobe bryant muse cage He, he he would use that all that negative energy as fuel to motivate him and John Wall kind of does the same thing. Yeah, I, but I haven't seen it like come to fruition with Wall versus Kobe, of course. Uh, in in just in know. terms, John Wall hated him in Boston. He hated Boston pretty good, and he, he, that did bring out the best of him in many games. Like peak John Wall was probably that 2017 Eastern 2017 or 18 Eastern Conference semis in Game Six where he hit the game winner and jumped on the bench. That one. Yeah. And then game seven was Kelly Olenek, he who shall not be named. Kelly Olenek, oh my God. But as far as the Wizards making the playoffs, I really just don't see it. So the other thing, it's fun to talk about. I mean, obviously this is everything here being said here is tongue in cheek. Um, If you want to make the playoffs, going back to what we were talking about earlier, that implies that somebody has to fall out of the playoffs. And I don't see Indiana, Brooklyn, or Orlando falling out of the playoffs. Like they're each... Orlando, Orlando is four, three or four games ahead of them. I, I see. I don't know. I have a soft spot for Orlando for reasons I can't really fully explain. Um, but I just okay. I, wait, we got to we got to dig into that. Like, is it Aaron Gordon? Is it Markel Fultz? I don't like anyone. It, I don't know. I just I think I want to see the team that like everyone dumps on and has like no fans do well because like I honest to God could not care less for anybody on their roster. Like I want to see Markel Fultz resurrect his career, but I'm like, I, I if he doesn't, I'm not going to lose an Iotto sleepover. I could not like Evan Fournier any less. I could not care about Nikola Vucevic any less. I think Mobamba is, uh, is, was, is not really. He's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> he bust already after in year two. Like I, I don't really care about him. I don't think anything. Um, I'm happy to see how Aaron Gordon's doing better. Aaron Gordon should have won the dunk contest. But yep. that's about it, right? Agreed. Okay, well, let's take another left turn here. The windmill dunk that Aaron Gordon did off the side of the backboard was beautiful. It was sick. It was so perfect. I didn't lose my shit like everyone else did. Is that the one where everybody's like, that's a top five dunk ever? Ever, right? And I'm like, yeah, it was. See, I put every one of Vince Carter's 2000 dunks over that. Yes. Every one of them. I think his like, uh, you know, jumping over the mascot, bringing his legs, uh, bringing the ball under both of his legs, was and better. Slamming in was better. Yeah, totally, was I, I agree. I 100 percent agree with that. I think that was just recency bias. Where it's like, oh my god, everything is always top five of all time. Yeah. Even we see it, right? Like, yeah. I agree. I think the dunk from last year was much better than Aaron Gordon did. Aaron Gordon should have won last year too. 
Um, but like, I don't know. I, I can't remember which one it was, but I like Derek Jones' work more this year than I did of Aaron Gordon. I feel like I shouldn't say that out loud because everyone will disagree, but like, I don't know. I mean, I think Aaron Gordon just should have won. Yeah, the, the judging was all terrible, but like... Well, the judging is always stupid because they're like, oh, that's a good dunk, so it's 50. There was, there was <laughs> nothing that Derek Jones Jr. like showed me that, that made me think he should not have won. Right? Like, I, I, you cannot be disappointed after seeing Jones Jr.'s body of work, uh, you know. Right. Like, I wouldn't oh, have minded won. if they would have called it and said, oh, we got co-winners. Well, they were trying to do that, apparently, and then they just can't so do math. We don't have two trophies, so yeah. I guess we won't do that. Yeah. But I would have just called them. I would have said, nope, that's it. That's all the dunks we're doing tonight. Because, I mean, these guys can only prepare so much. Yeah, agreed. Jumping over Taco Fall was a tough call. Was, I mean, you, he, he like took his head out, dude. Like, you know, he, the back of his his thigh like took over the back right. of his head. Do you really want to drag your nuts on the back of some dude's head? Is that what uh, I mean? It's better going than, for here. It's better than being on the receiving end, I guess. Yeah, so. I mean, and then if you're if you're Taco, it's like it's like I'm I'm here for the parties, not to get nutted on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that's um. I don't know, man. I could see Orlando like they're the split. What they're only like three games back. Washington's only three games back from Orlando, and there's like about thirty games left. I can totally see Washington making sliding in there. I, I just I don't see Orlando as they've just played really well together, and like I think that's um um yeah. I just I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. Like I don't think anyone's gonna fall out. Okay. Um, one other topic I wanted to kind of discuss because we talked about this quite a bit on our Slack conversations is um, I don't really care about the Rookie of the Year award because it, this shouldn't be a discussion given the body of work as a whole for one person or another. But I think we would be remiss not to talk about Zion Williamson and John Morant this year because I think both of them have been tremendous and Zion is Zion in terms of all the hype leading up to him and then he was off the chart. I mean, off the face of the earth for a while. And then we were wondering if he's ever going to walk properly or run properly again. And then he comes back and he's doing the shit that he's doing right now. Yeah. He's, he's had an amazing uh, 10, 10 game run. But the question is, is he going to have enough games period in the season to, because at some point you have to play enough damn games. Well, I mean, I, he's I not going to win rookie of the year. I, it would be a travesty. People talking about it. It'd be a travesty. I mean, like, look at John. Like, Memphis is in the playoffs in the West. Yeah. Who yeah. else do they have on that team? Like, Jaron yeah. Jackson Jr., and then that's it. Dylan, I mean, Dylan Brooks has been fine, but. Yeah, they've been fine. I mean, Valanchunas, we know, is hot garbage from Toronto days. I mean, I don't know, man. John Morant came in as a rookie, made that his team, and they are in the playoffs. And New Orleans was doing pretty well. I mean, they're six and four with Zion, which is which is much better than their current percentage. But I don't know, dude. Like, it's very hard to. John Moran has to like not play anymore for the rest of the season, and and Zion has to continue what he's doing for him to even be in the discussion. The thing that I love about John Morant more than anything else, like he's one of your classic combo guard types of players, but he legitimately makes his teammates better. Like he, he can score, but he's just as much of an offensive creator as he is like, Hey, I'm going to fill up the stat sheet with, you know, a bunch of shit that I did while my team loses. And I think that's what I really enjoy about him. Like he's just, he's fun as hell to watch. He is wired exactly the right way. 
um, all the staff around him in Memphis talks about the fact that they're like everyone else in every sports team, they're really trying to rebuild the culture of that. But John Moran's kind of been a foundational piece to that. And like everyone's kind of fallen in line as a result of that. Even the veterans love the way he plays the game. And I think that's probably one of the best things about him. To your point, Neil, Memphis, if I'm not mistaken, has the highest total winning percentage of the, the, over the course of the year. So whether or not they hold on to that eight seed will be uh, subject for much watch for much viewing for the rest of the year. But um, yeah. The, the highest what? The highest opposing win percentage. So their opponents are like their opponents winning percentage is an aggregated 5.554. So they have the toughest remaining schedule. So oh, long, I see. I see what you're saying. Longest yeah. way, long wind, long winded way of saying that. Also Morant had his first triple double against Washington this year, which just goes to show that we are again, terrible at defense. Yay. Defense. <laughs> so I, I've, yeah, good. I mean, but Zion, I, you know, I honestly, like, I didn't know how he was going to show up in the NBA. I just never expected him to be as dominant as he is now. Like I had no idea what his position or what his role would kind of be, but Damn, dude. I mean, his first 10 games have been pretty spectacular, I got to tell you. It's uh, something we, I don't think we've ever seen, like 22 points. And what is, I, I saw some crazy stat. He's the first person to do like 300 uh, points in like the 10 games since, what's his face, um, Brandon Jennings, which, I mean, that's not great company being, but it's the first time it's happened in like 10 years. So that is kind of cool. There's a couple interesting points with Zion. I think um, number one, the way they've been, I love the way they're managing his minutes and stuff like that and being very meticulous about that. Cause I think that's extremely important given the fact that conditioning is still going to be an issue. And the fact that he's just enormous, which goes into the conditioning thing, but the way they've been using him. And I think that with the way he scored a lot of points, like obviously he had those three pointers in the first game against San Antonio, I believe it was like, we hit like three or yep. four in a row. Four, been, four for four. Yep. Right. But he's been ice cold ever since. And, um, he's basically just been doing a lot of what he did at Duke in the NBA so far. And I'm not using that as a knock. I actually think that's a really good thing because you're kind of allowing him to take baby steps into the NBA building on what his current strengths are, right? Like he's playing a lot of half court. He's doing a lot of things in the half court. He's doing the things, a lot of, you know, down low in the post he's using his combination of his size and his strength. And the one thing that was just so extraordinary about him, and you could see it from the days he was at Duke, his first step quickness and he's making that initial move is really, really incredible. And he's still kind of catching people off guard with this ability to do that. Um, and then of course, all there's the lob passes. And we all knew that that was going to be a lot of fun to watch, you know, catching um, alley-oops and shit like that from Lonzo Ball. And I think that part of this, he's been able to do what he's doing, just utilizing just those tools while not fully knowing he's developed any other part of this game so far. But to that end, I think one of the interesting things about him as well, which the media is never going to really cover, is the fact that his defense has been doo-doo. Like, he's actually been really, really shitty on defense this year. So a lot of people who have watched him, I've seen this a little bit myself, that, you know, he, he's... But isn't uh, that the hardest thing to learn coming in, not, though? It's the hardest thing. It's the, the hardest. Speed, too, yeah. The speed and all of those things, but he's kind of not tried for lack of a better thing. So it's a chicken and the egg argument that he's not trying because he's out of shape or he's out of shape and thus he's not trying, however you want to phrase it. But like, he's just, it's been a lot of like, hey, let me focus on the, you know, the fun stuff on offense. And like, he just really hasn't even That's what a lot of the new guys do though. And he's like super gassed. I mean, you can, 
even during the all-star game or like the uh, rising stars or whatever, he was incredibly just gassed running up and down the court. Yeah. And I think that the conditioning factor, I think the conditioning factor is interesting for two parts. Number one, because his size and all of those things, and he, you know, hasn't played basketball since organized basketball since, you know, back at Duke. So that's obviously going to be a thing, but one of the things I found really interesting is that he comes in in what January and he's like jumping over people and shit like that. Think about how tired NBA guys are right now. And you got this fresh kid coming in who's got this burst of energy and hasn't been worn down. So of course he's going to look a little better or a little more springier than the guys he's playing against. Cause you know, these guys have been beat, beaten to hell over the last three and a half, four months. And I think that's a storyline. A lot of people have kind of just glossed over cause they're like, Oh, you know, he looks just so much better than everyone. I'm like, of course, everyone's tired as shit. And you got this bouncy you know, 19 year old kid coming in and who's just, you know, all jacked up on Mountain Dew right now. And he's also built like a Mack truck. Precisely. Um, yeah. Going back to the defense, going back to the defense, uh, the defensive stuff, like his, you know, he, his rebounding is, is not where it should be. Like he's amazing at offensive rebounds. There's some stat that he's like, I think he's grabbed an offensive rebound on like 30% of his own missed shots, which is yes. pretty incredible, but yeah. like his defensive rebounding doesn't match. Um, he played get gives you no rim protection um as a small ball five um doesn't really do a lot of chasing around you know around guys or, or on lateral movement so you know that's i, I don't want to take away from him because he's obviously been awesome and it's a lot of fun to watch and he's made new orleans a ton of fun to watch as well but um you know i think in some cases we should slow our roll so you're not going to give him rookie of the year no I, i'm going to give it to job Morant if we're going to to, just to make sure we're about yeah to i can't give it i can't give it to zion right now dude. no i mean when a guy doesn't even play half the damn games. season yeah no not a chance yeah, yeah. it seems not in the playoffs they were actually like still somewhat contending but not really without him but i don't know john morant like being in the playoffs with memphis is it's very hard to beat that as a rookie the other thing i find interesting about zion and new orleans this is my own hot take here it's like I wonder if there's, this is going to sound stupid, but I wonder if the hype is, there's too much hype or the hype is a bad thing in that case. Because at some level, even before Zion was supposed to make his return, like New Orleans was turning the corner into being a good team. And we all of a sudden, like, when's the last time you heard Brandon Ingram's name amidst all the Zion hype? Like he's, everyone's kind of shoveled him back to the, into the back of the bus. And right. But before that, that's all anybody was talking about with regards to new Orleans was how great a season Brandon Ingram was having. He's going to get a max man. That's the scary part. I don't, in the, from every interview you read and even like quotes coming out of Alvin Gentry's mouth, they're like, we got to give more touches to Zion. We got to give him more plays. We got to have, you know, and, and we got to, you know, give feed him more. And I'm like, that's great. I mean, he's uber talented and, you know, all the talent in the world and all that fun stuff. Right. And he's going to sell tickets and, you know, there's probably going to be, you know, uh, pressure from ownership and, and, and the marketing department to make sure that he gets more playing time and all that stuff. But, I wonder, does all of that come at a detriment to their perspective, to their own chemistry that they've built internally? And I know that sounds crazy, but like, as the NBA has always shown us, like one plus one does not always equal two in the sense that if you have one great player and you had another great player, they're each going to get theirs. Like there's a give and take from that. And I just wonder if that's how that's going to work in New Orleans. I think if Brandon Ingram gets his max deal, he's not going to care. 
Right. That's really ultimately all these guys will care about is like when their contract situation's up, are they going to get their max? I'm not even talking about personality though, because Brandon Ingram doesn't seem like, I think that's one of the reasons why he didn't fare well in in LA because he's not a, like he wants to stay away from the limelight. He wants to fly under the radar entirely from everything you read about him. Like he's just one of those guys. But I think one, granted it's an 11 game sample size, but one of the things I found really interesting is that um, without Zion, Brandon Ingram is averaging like 26 points a game, just under that, just under seven rebounds and about four assists, right? And those numbers have been markedly down since Zion started playing. Like he's averaging five less points per game, two less rebounds and a full assist less, right? And I mean, those are substantial drop-offs. And I just, I wonder, is that just a blip or is that a greater tell of things to come? I don't know. This is my personal thought. Like, it's not that you just add Zion, all of a sudden everybody suddenly gets better. Like, how do they coalesce together as a team is going to be something that I want to kind of watch further. Not saying Zion is a bad thing, not saying that they should trade him or any stupid, idiotic concepts like that. But it's no, just, you're saying they should trade well, Brandon Ingram because he's sucking now. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Just like the Zach Lowe. But I mean, numbers are going to take a hit when you introduce somebody I mean, and you cut into the time rotation. Golden you know? State, like in Kevin Durant coming in, like look at everybody's numbers kind of dropped. It's yeah, going to happen. Because at, at the end of the day, you only have so many shots, right? Like if yeah. Zion's coming in, he's averaging 14 shots per game, right? So that's got to come at somebody's right? Exactly. So it's just interesting to me. I'm not saying, obviously it's not a bad thing to add the number one pick in the NBA draft in a, you know, it, who people consider to be a generational prospect, but I just found that well, concept. So the flip side is that is that they did get a time period to evaluate Brandon Ingram and see what he can do. That and they I, probably he, wouldn't have been able to do with Zion healthy. And if he does get the max contract that you'll refer to, I would not be. A, I don't think it's a bad thing. I actually think Brandon Ingram still has more room to grow, and I. I love he how he has more body to grow. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I think at this point, but history shown us, but like, I love how the change of scenery has benefited Ingram and Lonzo ball. Agreed. hundred like, percent. Like that, that's, it was a great thing. And just kind of shows you what a little bit of a shit show that the Lakers were prior to them being traded. Although I love how they all talk about how like the, this Lakers team is so close knit together. And I feel like everyone's still just kind of walking around eggshells around LeBron and everything's fine. Cause they're winning. That's a yeah, very that's interesting good. point. That's all that's marketing a, talk. Yeah, that's a really good point. I can't imagine what it would be like if they were still losing. Like, can you imagine LeBron and AD's like relationship? They would probably it would have been out by now how they how hate many each other. how many don't fit don't fit out fit in Instagram captions would we have if they were yeah. if they were not uh, if things weren't going as swimmingly as they are right now. Oh, let's hope for an exit early exit in the playoffs. Exactly. I uh one of I, I it, it just goes to show you what an old man I am because uh, Kavita has this cousin, technically nephew, if you're South Asian, but like nephew, cousin thing that he is, um, he's one of those guys that like, he's, he's 18, 17 or 18 years old. And he's like, he's a LeBron stan as hard as you possibly can be. And I was making fun of him two years ago. And he like, he came to some like, he came to somebody's house and he was wearing a LeBron Cavaliers jersey. And I'm like, um, so are you going to paint that jersey purple and gold or are you just going to buy a new one when he goes to the Lakers next year? And he was just like, no, I'll just buy a new one. And like, he's just such a LeBron homer. And, um, and I just, I take every shot I possibly can at LeBron. And I'm just like, you know who LeBron isn't? He's not fucking Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's not Michael. He's you know? not the GOAT. 
And I'm like, I, I go every single chance I get. And I, I just, I relish every chance I, I can to like, you know, to make sure that there's a very clear delineation between LeBron is great. LeBron is the second best player of, in NBA history. I don't think it, it would be very, 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 very difficult to dispute that at this point. LeBron A. Jordan. And let's just stop that conversation immediately right now. LeBron's not done though. I don't care. LeBron could win three in LA and he's still not going to be Jordan. I don't care. What if LeBron gets to the point where he's the leading scorer of all time in the NBA and in the top three in total assists delivered and he wins three more rings? He's lost five NBA finals. That's about right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And he's gotten swept in two of them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like no, I'm 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 completely fine with it. It's just uh, this is the uh, argument I've been hearing in the past. I'm like, but it who, who cares? Like you know, you just didn't win when you had to win. Like, go win. Right. And and getting uh, points and assists is not a statement of it's a statement of longevity. Right. Exactly. Like people people were like, oh, he passed Jordan. I'm like, it took him like a hundred games more. Right. Exactly. Him. Like, go fuck yourself. Or yeah, whatever. But. Okay. I that think it's a very, it very appropriate place to end, <laughs> particularly the go fuck yourself part. <laughs> Jordan awesome. is the goat. We'll leave yes. it at that. I, there's wholehearted, wholehearted agreement there. Like, I'm just sorry. That's great. You know, all the little millennials or Generation Z or whatever they're called. Like, that's wonderful. You can grow up with LeBron. Like, um, when did LeBron pass Kobe? Like, legit, like, that's a question we should maybe look into next time. But, like, when did he legitimately pass Kobe? Didn't he just do it, like, right before Kobe passed away? When he didn't make the playoffs last year? Are you talking points or what? No, I'm talking just about being in the greatest of ever conversation. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about points. No, no, no. Just Because didn't he just pass them in points? Yeah, yes. he just passed them in Yeah, that was a tough situation. That was yeah, tough. That was a, that was Especially worse. the juxtaposition of how everything shook out after that, yes. Yeah. When did he, when did he overtake Kobe, uh, like, a long time ago, right? The Cleveland title kind of changed the, the big right? time changed the narrative on LeBron. Okay, what about Duncan? Duncan, I've still got ahead of. I think I have Duncan slightly ahead of Kobe in my. I have to pull up my own top twenty-five, but I think I've got Duncan ahead of Kobe, and it, purely because I think of the five titles. Five. It's yeah, five. I mean, like Duncan is Duncan is like overlooked in the whole goat conversation. Like I don't know how LeBron jumped over. All of these guys, like Magic, Duncan, Kobe, all, like he just somehow inserted himself into this. I am number two. Kavita and I, Kavita was at this dumb event X number of months ago, and uh, me and a couple of other husbands were doing the man standoff in the corner, and like we were talking, we started talking NBA, and he was like, and he realized like I was a big NBA fan. He goes, "All right, I'm gonna hit you with something." He goes, T- "Explain to me how Duncan is not a top five player in NBA history." And I'm like, I cannot give you a compelling argument that Duncan is not a top five player in NBA history. It's a very hard argument to make it, right. uh, against. I, yeah. And I was like, I can probably, I was like, even if I give you like Jordan, LeBron, Magic, and maybe Bird or Kareem as number three or four, like you could have a rousing debate putting, let's just say, Duncan over Bird. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, Probably the best power forward because he was so boring. But exactly, he he was the best power forward. He and he led how many a two decade long uh, dynasty? 
I mean, Duncan was worthwhile until what? Yeah, like I said, until like you said, like two, until 2016, 2017, Duncan was still a very viable player for a guy drafted in 1996. Yeah. If it wasn't for Ray Allen hitting a three miraculously off of a LeBron brick, then he probably would have had six rings. One of the greatest, like, perfect, <laughs> perfect storm circumstances of all time, the way that rebound clanged. Chris Bosch, who was, like, ripped on in Miami his entire time there uh, to pass to Ray Allen. Yeah. 15-time all-defensive team, Tim Duncan. 15. He's insane. Wow. He's so good, dude. He's so good. It's just yeah. he, he just wasn't flashy. He wasn't sexy. He was the big fundamental. Just got his shit done. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. 10-time <laughs> all-NBA first team. 10? That's ridiculous. Like that. Well, now, you're, now you're making your argument for yeah, being I am in make, top five. I am very much making the argument for Tim Duncan on top five. Like I said, we were sitting there, like I guess, and I, I, I'm like, I can't make this argument. I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I can't definitively tell you that Larry Bird was better than Tim Duncan. Like I can't do that. All right, I'm gonna call it there. Um, thank you both for the. the, the the topic that or the discussion that's long overdue and for those of you who made it this far thank you so much for listening as i will once again implore if you haven't done so already please make sure you follow us on soundcloud subscribe to us on itunes and subscribe to us on youtube as well we're going to try to place more and more content whenever i can get around to actually putting stuff up there but until then thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.